Hello and welcome to Skin Theory, a podcast that gives you the tools and resources to achieve glowing skin from within. I'm your skin's BFF and holistic nutritionist, Carolyn. This is a safe space where we face acne with a holistic, comprehensive, and personalized approach. I am so grateful that you chose Skin Theory to immerse with me in all things skin, wellness, and personal growth. If you are ready to leave the acne story behind, then let's clear from within. This is the Skin Theory Podcast. Welcome to the Skin Theory Podcast. We have a very special guest joining us today, Britt Nicholson Park. Britt is a registered holistic nutritionist and friend of mine. She also holds a Bachelor of Science and she is located in Northern Ontario. She specializes in helping her clients get to the root cause of their digestive issues, beat burnout, eat to ease anxiety, and build long-term healthy habits without restrictions. She loves helping her clients find joy in the kitchen, enjoy a loving relationship with food, and finally feel that they can eat some of their favorite foods after years and years of restriction. Having been through all the digestive issues, anxiety, and burnout herself, Britt is incredibly passionate about all things gut health, related and the connection that it has with the mind, which we are going to get into today. So if you are looking for information on how to really like eat to ease anxiety and how stress impacts our digestion, then stick with us. We are going to be diving in and giving you lots of practical tools to really make this applicable in your day-to-day life. Britt has worked with many one-to-one clients and has been able to help them uncover the missing pieces of their health picture, creating health plans that feel realistic and aligned with her clients' values and lifestyle. You can work one-to-one with Britt by visiting her website, and we're going to link all of that in the show notes. Welcome, Britt. I'm so happy to have you. Hello. I am so excited to be here. Amazing. I think it'd be great to start out and just telling us a little bit about your health journey and maybe what led you into the work that you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. I love this question because, you know, like yourself, I feel like in this space, many of us have this health journey that has inspired us to, you know, be where we are. And I'm certainly no different. Um, I have struggled in the past and, you know, if I'm not um, paying attention to how I'm feeling myself can continue to struggle with digestive issues and anxiety, definitely have like that disposition, disposition towards burnout, being a bit of a type A perfectionist personality. And for me, a lot of it started even in like adolescence. And, you know, we grew up in a similar time where, you know, probiotics were overprescribed and I grew up on a little bit more processed foods and we didn't really understand the implications of that. Um, as much as my parents, you know, obviously wanted to do what was best for us. I still had, you know, honeycombs for breakfast and, um, lots of processed food. Now I grew up like, not like a sick kid, but definitely, had like the yearly strep throat infection that required antibiotics. And, you know, I think when it comes to gut health and that homeostasis in the body in general, we can kind of deal with that for, for a while before it starts to mount in some symptoms. And I think that's really why I'm seeing a lot of like 30 somethings now suddenly dealing with anxiety, burnout, gut issues. It's, we are kind of that first generation that really dealt with that wave of processed foods, the overprescription of antibiotics, the, um, and now, especially like in the current day and age, we're all in this phase of high stress, like dealing with the economy, the way it is, um, dealing with being connected to work and our social network at all times. And we're kind of like, I just feel like there's a guinea pig generation. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but like, I'm definitely seeing it reflected. I saw it both in myself and I see it in my current clients of the digestive issues, the skin issues. That was a big part of my own journey as well. Um, The anxiety, the depression, the burnout, and really the connection that all of these things have to one another. And it wasn't until, and like you said in that, in my intro there, like I have a bachelor of science degree. I was working in the healthcare field in um, optometry. I was an ophthalmic technician for a while. And I knew I wanted to help people in some capacity, but 
I was in the bathroom right after lunch. I wasn't digesting food. I was incredibly anxious and I just couldn't figure out why. And it wasn't until I met a friend of a friend who was a holistic nutritionist. And I was like, whoa, this is a thing. This is so cool. Um, And I went back to school and I really put my science brain back to work in a new realm. And I, I kind of, I really love that like science holistic fusion where not only um are you looking at something from a scientific perspective but you're you're viewing the body as a whole and how interconnected those body systems are like the mind and the gut and hormones and stress and everything in between so it wasn't until I went back to school for nutrition um, to the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition where I was able to put some of my science background into this more holistic approach and really work to support my own digestion and gut health and anxiety and really realizing that like I couldn't work on one without working on the other. I love that you're connecting the dots really between I think for our generation people in there we're speaking to people like you know in their 20s and 30s I would Mm -hmm. say um who, like you said, grew up on more of those like beige foods. That's just like what we ate, like cereal and toast and pasta. That's literally my whole childhood. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, the overuse of antibiotics for sure. Um, It's just interesting. Yeah, you're right. Like we kind of are the guinea pig generation of how that upbringing is maybe affecting us with, you know, more anxiety and more gut issues and things kind of coming to the surface in our 20s and 30s. And I think like, like adding on top of that current society, Mm -hmm. like we are that age where most of us are starting a family, maybe buying a house, um, trying to survive when cauliflower is like $11. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So like, that's stressful. And that's, we're going to talk about it, but that stress has implications on the body as well. And you know, we're also the first generation to have everything we need at our fingertips on our smartphones. Like I didn't have that phone even till I was like 16. So it's like now we're, we're working almost 24 seven because those emails can ding anytime. Could you imagine a time where like someone had to telephone the house to ask you a question in the evenings, like, and you weren't just connected all the time. Sounds so peaceful. (laughs) I know that like accessibility is been so empowering but then also like the other caveat is like we're too accessible we're too available yeah yeah. it definitely has some serious benefits I also can't imagine like you know having to go to the library and look up in a book when you want a piece of information I can just google it right away um so there's definitely flip sides to the same coin but I would say like in another aspect that's part of our guinea pig generation as well like the stress Mm -hmm. and the burnout because we're always connected or comparing ourselves to others that we see online. And um, yeah, all of these things, I think just like mount in these, in these health issues that are definitely interconnected to one another. Um, And that was something that I didn't really acknowledge until I was going through it myself and really kind of digging deeper and pulling those puzzle pieces apart. I think that's also why I'm so passionate about spreading this message now because you know it's something that I personally wouldn't have known until I went back to school to really dive deeper into it and I know you mentioned a little bit of like your skin experience like through the last through coming through all of this what was your experience with your skin and your health oh my gosh like it's funny. I actually haven't talked about the skin aspect of my journey at all um, until now. And this is really a perfect place to, um, but I had really terrible skin growing up. Um, lots of like acne and I never went on medication for it or, you know, sought treatment for it. Um, I just kind of like accepted it, I think as like a part of adolescence and tried to use makeup to cover it up. And that obviously like kind of made things worse. And I remember like, 
It's interesting. I, I remember the most stressful periods of my life were the times where my skin was the worst. Mm. And now like I can 100% see why that's happening. And we can talk a little bit about that stress, mind gut connection, stress and digestion. Um, but I remember even when I first started dating my now husband, I was like so embarrassed because my skin was so bad. And I remember even after after, you know, my schooling at the, to become a holistic nutritionist, I was working at a health food store and I was still really working on my skin. Mm. Um, and people would come into the store and like, I remember one time it was like mortifying. Someone like came into the store and was like trying to sell me a product that I was like for my skin. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like it was some type of like pyramid scheme potentially, <laughs> but either way, I'm like, really we're having this conversation I was like mortified that someone felt like they had to come in and try and sell me a face wash and my skin kind of naturally cleared up as I started to you know fix some of the other areas of my life like supporting the stress the anxiety the gut health Mm -hmm. um but still I still notice like say I'm going away and I'm not you know following my normal diet um, or, you know, I'm definitely a big advocate for balance and a realistic approach to nutrition and say my balance is just a little bit skewed in favor of some processed foods or some high sugar foods, definitely see that reflection in my skin first. And I use that as a bit of a signal to like, okay, yeah, we need, we need a little bit more balance in here. Um, and now I feel really proud of where my skin is at. Like I'm comfortable in my own skin for the first time in a long time. And, um, I didn't do anything directly to, you know, to support my skin health, but I just worked on bringing my body back into a state of balance in other ways. And the skin just kind of followed suit. Um, But yeah, there was definitely a lot of like shame and embarrassment and just like trying to hide um, before that. And I remember chatting with you on my podcast about this and I know you have like a similar story. So I feel like it's something that impacts so many of us. Yeah. The skin is just so, I think it's just such a personal experience. And like you said, like you're just like working your job in like the health, like what, and like, you're just like trying to go about your day. You're aware of your skin. Like, you know what I mean? If someone has acne, they're aware of it. They don't need like unsolicited advice from people. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I that was like that's gonna stick with me for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know it is what it is, and um, I it was interesting. I even made like um a reel or a TikTok about this recently, mm-hmm. where I was in Toronto. Um, I don't know if you remember if you've been following my stories. I was in Toronto like at the end of April, my car broke down. Yes, yeah. It was like the most stressful week ever because I was like stranded in Toronto, and my skin broke out like crazy both I think from a combination of stress but also just like eating out of my norm maybe reaching for more comfort foods in those moments and I came home and went back to my normal you know routine and within a couple a week or two I was feeling like myself again just like physically as well as I I saw that reflection in my skin as well and it was such a nice reflection of you know what I am doing is supportive of my body and your skin is your largest organ and it's, it's showing you. I often on my podcast will say like your poop and your periods are a strong indicator of health, but I really should be adding your skin on there too. Um, because I think it's, it's a good indicator of how happy your body is as well. I really love that. And I think, you know, one of, and I'm sure we can both kind of like attest to this, one of the like beautiful things about approaching things holistically is like you're really getting that like full body benefit like you said yourself you were focusing more on like the stress and the gut health Mm -hmm. and your skin was able to like find balance on its own and Mm -hmm. that's really that's really what gets me so excited and I'm sure you too about a holistic approach is like you're really bringing the whole body back into balance you know what I find interesting and like I mean I'm sure the audience that's listening doesn't have this mindset because they're choosing to listen to this podcast and they obviously have an interest in holistic health but I even I had someone recently that you know was resistant to working with me because I took a quote-unquote like holistic approach um some some view it as you know less science rooted or you know less I don't know, evidence driven, but I do think like that holistic approach as someone who is also like has a science background, 
it's really, you know, root cause approach and whole body focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really important to, to recognize is that, you know, we talked about this on, on my podcast, but when it comes to the skin, you know, people always want to, you know, tell you what you should put on it or what you should and coming to that, like digging to the root of something is really at its core, in my opinion, what a holistic approach means. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it can be rooted in evidence, evidence-based practices. It can be rooted in Ayurvedic practices. It can be rooted in a different, a number of different things, but at its core, I just love like that, that root cause whole body approach. Cause I feel like that's where we get the most, um, the most positive outcomes um and we notice those stronger shifts for sure i'm so happy you clarified that i think that's really helpful for anyone um to know and i totally agree i think i feel holistic i almost sometimes use the word like comprehensive it's like yeah we just want to use everything available to us it's interesting that like because i even had someone recently be like well why don't you just drop the holistic and just like you know and i'm like well no because like that's part of what I love. Like, mm. I love that it's a whole body and like, like you said, comprehensive and, you know, I don't want to stray from that word there. I'm sure it's because there are some people out there that, you know, say some things that aren't rooted <laughs> in like they shouldn't be saying, but you know, we're not those people. Um, mm, and that's yeah. why I think podcasts like this are great is to, to connect with others in the space who are spreading the, the healthy word and the, and that that comprehensive approach to health and preventative nutrition and all that fun stuff. So I don't know. I went off a bit of a tangent there, but I'm just so passionate about this type of approach because, you know, I say someone comes to you for, you know, they want support with their skin, but maybe they also want support with fatigue you aren't going to be like okay take this supplement for energy this food is energizing that you're going to be like okay why are you experiencing low energy um you know do you have nutrient deficiencies is there a gut health connection is there you know uh, a blood sugar roller coaster that's leaving you feeling low energy we really work to get to the root of these things rather than simply addressing the symptom and i think that's like the the beauty of holistic and comprehensive nutrition. And I'm not going to shy away from that word. Um, anyways, we do a whole podcast episode on this. <laughs> I know on like terminology and yeah, just trying to like be inclusive at everything as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is safe to say that we are all under a high amount of stress right now, regardless of what age you are um, or what generation you're a part of. Yeah. And I think it would be really helpful to understand more like how does stress like add to our overall like maybe like load that we're carrying. I know sometimes it's called like a stress bucket and like how are we adding to that and maybe how that impacts all the other systems in our body. Absolutely. I commonly refer to it as a stress bucket as well. And I like to remind people that like this is why you may not be as resilient to stress as your friend or your coworker you know, something that really stresses you might not someone else. And that's okay. You might have a higher, a stress bucket that is more full and it takes smaller stressors to overflow that bucket. Whereas someone else who, you know, is getting a full rest night rest or is, you know, eating lots of nutrient dense foods or is moving their body in a healthy way. They might have a stress bucket that's more capable of dealing with the mean coworker or the financial stressors or whatever it might be. Um, when it comes to stress, I think it's so easy for us to compare. Like why, why can Carolyn handle this stress? And I find it like it's too much. And I think it comes down to, you know, our stress buckets and how full they are and how capable they are on taking on more stress. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's the obvious additions to the stress bucket, like that mental, emotional sphere, stress surrounding family, finances, jobs, um, those things that we don't have a ton of control over really, um, unless you're going to, you know, change jobs or whatever, um, which has stress in and of itself, <laughs> making yeah. those shifts. 
Um, some of the other stresses on the body that are filling the bucket are, like I said, sleep, you know, are we getting enough sleep? Are we not every hour of lost sleep is increasing those cortisol levels or our stress hormone, um, our diet, of course, you know, is it highly processed? Is it rich in, uh, high in sugar that's sending us on a blood sugar roller coaster that your body perceives as stressful? Um, are we, you know, um, relying on nutrient reserves in the body because we aren't getting nutrient dense foods that's stressful Are we eating inflammatory foods that have this inflammatory impact on the, the body and the gut, um, inflammation is a big driving factor for stress in the body. Um, are we eating foods that we're sensitive or intolerant to and contributing to maybe some gut dysbiosis or inflammation of the intestinal tract, uh, maybe leaky gut that's stressful. Um, so these, those are all kind of different ways for adding to that stress bucket. And whenever I talk to people that are like, I don't have control over my stress. Yes, there are absolutely some stressors we don't have control over. And the goal is never to lead a stress-free life. Like ideally stress is infrequent and productive. Um, so it's more so managing and, you know, managing what's in the stress bucket that we have more control over, like our diet, our sleep, our exercise, um, and, you know, actively thinking about stress management. Um, mm -hmm. that's one of the first questions I ask people, like, what do you do to manage your stress? And a lot of people just like, don't have one, or it's like eating or sleeping or whatever it is. Um, you know, for me, it's going for a walk or spending time outside or, um, doing something with my hands, like, um, macrame I love, or like, um, cross stitch, something that gets me away from a screen and like working with my hands, gardening. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are all things that can add to our stress bucket anyways. I think even the first thing that you said made me instantly think of like people struggling with their skin. Just, you mentioned like when it comes to stress, we're always comparing. We're always mm -hmm. like, oh, why can they do that? Like something that comes up so much in my practice is so it's like all my friends have great skin and they eat whatever they want. You know what I mean? Like so often when we are dealing with whatever our health, like could be skin, could be weight, could be energy, could be mood, could be anything that you're feeling insecure about or wanting to change. Um, we so often compare other people's experience to our own. Yeah. Um, and it can make you feel very alone and isolated. Like you're the only person dealing with this, but I think it is so empowering. What you said is we're all dealing with different things under the surface. Like the symptom is really like, like if acne is the symptom we're talking about, that's maybe like the symptom of like so many other things that are contributing to it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's where that like comprehensive or holistic approach comes in, right? It's like mm -hmm. understanding the root behind the symptom. Um, so yeah, it's so easy to compare yourself. Um, and we're all dealing with a different puzzle that needs to be solved. Yeah. And I find everybody really presents that like systemic inflammation in a different way. Like for one mm -hmm. person, it could be acne. For one person, it could be like blood sugar imbalance that leads to like mood issues. Like it could be so many things. Um, going a bit deeper, how does stress impact our digestion? Great question. And I can really like illustrate this using kind of an example, like yeah. um, stress is something that kind of paralyzes digestion. It gets in the way of not only the peristaltic or wave-like motions of our intestinal tract and how quickly moves food moves through the intestinal tract, but also like how much enzymes are produced in the stomach and um and saliva. Do you ever notice when you get stressed, like your mouth goes dry and you just feel thirsty all the time? Um, or you know, food just kind of feels like it's sitting in your stomach. Um, or maybe you have diarrhea or constipation, depending on the person, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, stress impacts how quickly food is moving through that, that gastrointestinal tract. Um, when it comes to stress and digestion, digestion is really viewed as non-essential when we are in that fight or flight stress state, which 
is us getting ready to fight or flee from a predator. But, you know, the stressors we deal with these days are not ones that we're running from. Mm. So what I see a lot is people just living in this fight or flight state and digestion is impacted because like when you're running away from a lion, the last thing your body cares about is digesting lunch. It's like, we got to get out of here. Mm. Um, and you know, similarly hormones like reproduction, having a baby is not important. Um, mm. when you are living in fight or flight, cause your body's like, how can we reproduce at this time? <laughs> right. Um, but from a digestion standpoint, point specifically yeah spending more time in that fight or flight nervous system state versus rest and digest which is obviously going to be more supportive of digestion we are going to notice impacts in enzyme production as well as you know the speed at which food moves through the gastrointestinal tract and like i said at the beginning i have an example of you know if you were just finished Christmas dinner and you know you're stuck the first thing you want to do is go be horizontal on the couch And if your cousin asked you to go run a 5k with them, you'd be like, you're nuts. There's no way I'm doing that. Um, But if um, like a robber broke into your house and you had to run, you'd be more than capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of shifting from that rest and digest on the couch into the fight or flight. Um, And that's kind of, those are the big connections between stress and digestion. Yeah, that's really, that's a really helpful example. I know oftentimes I feel like I recommend it and I'm just thinking it now with your examples. Um, It's so recommended to like go for a gentle walk after you eat. How is that maybe different? Is it because you're still like in that like parasympathetic state? Like it has to be like a pretty gentle walk to help you digest your food. Yeah. And I think just like movement in general is good for digestion. And I always say that spending time outside is so restorative. So, you know, getting time out in the sun, getting some fresh air, sometimes that's the only access to sunlight level day if they're in an office. So I'd say that there's a lot of restorative benefits to walking as well. Um, And that's kind of, I think, shifting you more into a rest and digest nervous system state versus like going straight back to work and sitting at a computer or watching like an action-packed thriller on TV, which still can be stress-inducing. Mm. or going for a jog, which might be a little too much post meal. So I still think that like something like that is very um, restorative in nature. Yeah. It's so funny. You mentioned watching TV. I feel like my favorite thing to do is to like sit down with your meal and like watch your favorite TV show. I know it's so not good for digestion, but it's so enjoyable. (laughs) I like my first recommendation for people is usually like being mindful at mealtime, paying attention, you know, to the sight, smell, texture of food. But if you're the type of person that like can't sit still, then like, just don't watch the news. Don't watch like, you know, something action packed, watch something lighthearted and funny. That's going to make you laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's a big difference too. Like if I'm watching something that's stressing me out, then like, I, that's not good either. Cause if your body perceives stress as stress, it's just, it doesn't matter what the input is that is such a good tip I'm gonna use that for myself (laughs) um amazing now switching a little bit to we talked about this a little bit um like the mind gut connection I think it would be really helpful to understand like what is this connection and how is maybe what we're eating impacting our mental health oh great question that's like a little multifaceted so the mind gut, it's so fascinating because I think it's just in the last decade, we're really beginning to appreciate the importance of a healthy gut for a healthy mind and vice versa. This this connection works both ways. It's bi-directional and um, it's the mind and the gut are both physically connected through nerves. Um, the big one being the vagus nerve that connects the mind and the gut um, and chemically through chemicals produced in the gut, um, like our good gut bugs or bad gut bugs, if we're experiencing anxiety and brain fog, those types of things. Um, there are a number of different chemicals or neurotransmitters, hormones produced in the gut that can communicate with the mind. A couple of big ones are serotonin and GABA. Um, and if we have like an imbalance of good and bad bacteria, um, favoring the bad or the pathogenic bacteria, 
They are, you know, fermenting our food and making us feel bloated and uncomfortable, maybe constipated or have diarrhea. But the byproducts of that fermentation also can often travel into the bloodstream, especially if we have, you know, a more permeable gut lining or leaky gut. And that can travel to the brain and make us feel brain foggy and anxious, especially if there's inflammation happening. Those inflammatory cytokines can travel systemically. And then, you know, taking it a step further, I think about certain imbalances, for example, candida albicans is a yeast commonly found in the gastrointestinal tract and issues arise when, you know, it becomes predominant and it kind of overtakes. And this yeast is one that specifically deconjugate, among other things, it can deconjugate estrogen that's targeted for removal from the body, recirculate it. And that high circulating estrogen can also make us feel anxious. So, you know, again, just looking for those other connections. Um, so mind and gut very connected. There's a reason why when you're nervous, you might feel butterflies in your stomach or like a pit in your stomach. It's, these things are all super connected, both physically and chemically. And um, there's lots of research coming out in the, su in the support that, you know, probiotics and gut support have in supporting our mental health, which I just find so, so fascinating. Yeah. And you brought up some good points too, even from like a skin perspective, candida oftentimes is in the mix when someone is dealing with chronic acne and in combination, like you said, the mind stuff as well, um, as well as like that leaky gut um, really does kind of like kind of walk into the acne picture too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So now that we know that the mind and the gut are connected and what we are eating is impacting our mental health, are there certain things that we can kind of bring into our routines, maybe our nutrition and things to maybe help ease anxiety? I feel like every, you know, most people like are experiencing anxiety, whether it's kind of like constant or just kind of like up and down. So mm -hmm. I feel this would be really helpful. Absolutely. So there's a few different ways that I, you know, approach eating to ease anxiety. One of them is gut health related, looking at the health of the gut and symptoms of gut dysbiosis or imbalance, you know, do you feel like food is just sitting in the stomach? Do you notice undigested food in your stool? Do you experience constipation, diarrhea, bloating? Um, do you have frequent cravings for sweets? Sometimes that those cravings can be connected to our bad bacteria because they really thrive on those undigested sugars. Um, do you, in the case of candida, you know, experience common uh, predisposition to yeast infections or fungal nail or skin infections? Um, all of these things can tell us like a lot about our gut health. Um, so I will say it is definitely unique depending on the person and what type of issue they're dealing with. But when I'm working with people, I definitely work in like a top down fashion, starting at the mouth in support of digestion. We want to make sure that food is ending up in the gastrointestinal tract, like as digested as possible in its simplest form so that our good bacteria can really thrive off of it. Because otherwise our bad bacteria can kind of start to, you know, eat away at those undigested foods and ferment and again, make us feel kind of uncomfortable. So aside from food itself, certain lifestyle practices, like really making sure you're chewing, not drinking a lot of liquids with mealtime, especially ice cold liquids that can have kind of like a paralyzing effect on our stomach. Um, not being in a stressful environment, like when you're writing emails or having stressful conversations around the dinner table. Maybe if you are coming from something stressful right into dinner, you sit down to a couple of deep breaths first. Mm. So those are all some lifestyle practices to encourage a, a healthier gut and digestion. Um, but in terms of foods that we're including, there's a few things I like to focus on for gut health. One, of course, is fiber. You know, our gut loves fiber. These are um, prebiotic fiber is food for our good gut bugs and might include, you know, foods like garlic, onion, asparagus, um, and, you know, these prebiotic foods, if you are like, I can't eat any of those things, they like upset my stomach. It might be an indication that you have that imbalance and you're kind of feeding your bad gut bugs with that prebiotic fiber. And mm -hmm. you kind of need to go back and work to reestablish balance and then feed them a little bit. 
So prebiotic fiber, fiber in general is going to be really supportive of, you know, um, feeding our good gut bugs. If you experience symptoms with that, then you might need to go back and reevaluate, uh, maybe work with someone to get that balance correct and then support the good gut bugs with the prebiotic fiber. In contrast with that, you have your probiotics, um, which a lot of people, you know, reach right for supplements, but there are probiotic rich foods that are fermented that contain those beneficial bacteria. So probiotic contain the bacteria, prebiotic feed the bacteria. Mm. And this includes foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, um, and other fermented veggies, yogurt, as long as it's not a high sugar yogurt, because again, sugar feeds the bad gut bugs. Same with kombucha, it can be high sugar. We don't want that, it'll feed the bad gut bugs. My only caveat for uh, fermented foods is like, if they make you feel worse, don't ignore that. It's usually a symptom of something greater, whether it's a candida overgrowth or SIBO, um, you know, overgrowth. So um, fermented foods aren't always the best fit for everyone, depending on your journey. Um, So in terms of gut health, those are some things I look at. And then in terms of nutrients, for eating to ease anxiety. I'm looking at magnesium rich foods. Magnesium is really supportive um, of anxiety. One, one symptom of magnesium deficiency is that, that anxiety or muscle tension piece of the puzzle. Um, this includes beans, legumes, dark leafy greens, avocado, seeds. Um, being mindful that our food just is a little bit less um, rich in magnesium as it once was because of soil depletion. Right. Magnesium is one of my favorite mineral, minerals when it comes to our mind and mm. muscle tension, muscle cramping, that kind of thing. Um, and two other nutrients I really like to pay attention to are our B vitamins, especially if you're vegetarian, vitamin B12. Um, mm. B vitamins are really important for a healthy nervous system. And iron, iron is actually really important. Um, and iron deficiency can contribute to symptoms of anxiety. So when we're eating to support anxiety, like I said, it's kind of multifaceted. I'm looking at the gut health, yes. We're looking at fiber, we're working to, you know, include those probiotic rich foods if tolerated. We're also, you know, maybe minimizing some of those more inflammatory ingredients, which are gonna be different for different people. But like, we know that like, processed foods and high sugar foods, you know, in, in a balance. I'm not like one of those people that are like, I never have sugar because I definitely do, um, but in the right balance. And then we're looking at the nutrients supportive of, um, anxiety, like magnesium, B vitamins, iron. Um, and then the last piece of the puzzle that I like to focus on is, um, balancing our plate, um, mm-hmm. for blood sugar stability. Cause if we're on a blood sugar roller coaster, that dip um, is really gonna make us feel hangry. Anyone listening familiar with the hangry feeling? Get it, I'm there. Um, that hangry feeling, irritability, anxiety can really be connected to that blood sugar roller coaster. So making sure that our meals and our snacks are uh, have a good source of protein, fat, and or fiber um, to help slow the release of glucose into the bloodstream and really allow us to harness that energy from our food for a little bit longer. Um, so for anxiety, those are kind of the three, the triad I focus on the most, the gut, the blood sugar and the nutrient status. Um, and it makes a a big difference for sure. Amazing. And that's so supportive too, even for like looking at skin health as like a main focus as well. Like I find focusing on those things is so helpful. I love that you mentioned the glass of like cold water. Like Mm. honestly, like ice should just... I mean, this is a hot take, a hot take. I'm not a fan of ice. There is like no need to have iced anything. Um, it's like not supportive for your digestion, um, especially like you said, like during your meals. Yeah. Um, we want to really be like, I think you mentioned this too, like your digestion is like a fire and like mm-hmm. you're putting that out if you're just like um, constantly yeah. drinking cold beverages while you're eating. <laughs> You know, it's funny, like I've had clients ask me before, they're like, what can I do to support my digestion when I'm eating out? And I think they're looking really for like, you know, what are some healthy meal ideas when I'm, when I'm out at a restaurant? And it's like, well, you kind of know, like, I think you know what the healthier choices are, but at the same time, you're out with friends. Like, I don't want you getting like a salad or like something. If you're really going to enjoy pizza with your girlfriends, like that's part of stress management as well. 
the number one thing you can do, ditch the ice water that they serve you <laughs> and chew your food. Just chew it. And then, you know, move on with your regularly scheduled programming. You know, maybe you're having your chia pudding. Maybe you're letting like for breakfast the next morning, or maybe you're, you know, going home and having some kombucha to settle your stomach. Um, but it's interesting that restaurants say like it's half ice, <laughs> half water. It's like, just, just don't drink that Chew your food, eat the pizza, you know, if you want a salad have a salad, but I'm not going to tell you to like get the dressing on the side or like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wanna... the, the ice water makes a big deal. Whenever I order water at a restaurant, I'm like no ice. And I have to say it like three times because it'll come with ice and I'll have to like, I'll have to be like, "Mm, can I have another one? (laughs) It's like something that you don't think about much. Like I actually posted, um, like, I think it was a TikTok about this topic and like, I got a lot of heat. People are like, what's wrong with ice? And I was like, listen, if you have perfect digestion, you're having ice water with your meals, keep doing it. You know what? (laughs) Like do whatever feels good for you. But in my experience, I and in my education, um, it's a shock to the stomach. And we mm-hmm. can really benefit more from small sips of room temperature water um, throughout mealtime so that we're not only diluting those gastric juices with too much water, but we're not like shocking the stomach with the, with the cold. Like think about taking a cold plunch, your muscle will tense up. And True, uh, yeah. Similar. I, I view it as something similar, so at the end of the day, if you're listening and you're like, I have ice cold water with every single meal and I feel amazing, then like do what feels good for you. We're all different. Um, but in my experience, more often than not, we feel better when we don't do that. Yeah, I agree. And that comes back to like what we were saying at the beginning, like comparing like your journey, like we all have different amount of stress that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And like, you're, if you're comparing how the way you digest food to someone else, it's like, okay, well maybe they have you know, like a solid digestion and maybe you're dealing with, like you said, like leaky gut or candida or X, Y, and Z, all the things in the gut. So like you can't handle as much. You don't have as much resilience to that ice water. Exactly. hundred percent. And it's just like your clients are like, how come my friends can eat whatever they want when their skins are great, but their skin is great. It's like, well, they might have that skin resiliency that they, that you don't have maybe because of yeah, on antibiotic use in the last five years, or, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe they have a stronger foundation that like we can work on with you too. And you might be able to enjoy some of those things in balance in the future as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you're always bringing up like in balance. We're always talking like, you know, do what you can. Nothing is like 100%. Any oh, yeah. Like I'm not perfect and I'm not going to pretend to be perfect. That's no fun. No. Um, <laughs> But like, I know when I'm making a good and and not so great decision, right? Like, and I think that's half of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I often use like yogurt as an example, since we're talking about sugar and the impact sugar has on our GI tract, as well as anxiety. This is one thing I commonly see of people thinking they're making a healthy choice and they're, you know, reaching for what they think is a probiotic rich yogurt, but it's one of those fruit bottom cups that have like 20 grams of sugar in it. And then they're adding granola on there and granola you really want to look at the sugar on that because like 15 grams of sugar per serving is what I see commonly. Okay. Um, And then they're adding fruit on top of that and maybe even a drizzle of honey. And they think that like, oh yeah, this is super healthy. I'm having a yogurt parfait and there's like 40 grams of sugar in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we think about that, like in terms of teaspoons, like approximately uh, four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. Um, so if you've got a sugar that has like 20 grams and then, you know, you got more, I'm not trying to like villainize sugar or like, you know, make sugar out to be the devil. But I do think that like, that's not something we want to start our day with. And it's mm-hmm. not something that we want to like, think we're making a healthy choice with. Right. Right. Like I wouldn't have a bowl of ice cream for breakfast, but like, I might mm-hmm. have one at some point in the day because I love ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's important to know when you're making a good decision or when you're having a treat. Um, and some people just like think that they're making good decisions and it's not much more than a treat. Right. And what so, is it about sugar that, I mean, I think you mentioned it a little bit. What is it about sugar that's maybe not helpful for the gut, especially in the morning? Well, I think any time of day, um, Mm -hmm. but 
I find typically breakfast really lacking in protein. Like if Mm. you think cereal or yogurt, aside from a good Greek yogurt that has a good source of protein, um, breakfast tend to be higher in carbohydrates. Um, and what that means is it's, it's a less balanced meal. You're missing that protein, fat and fiber. So you get a quicker release of glucose into the bloodstream, which means insulin is called upon to deal with that glucose and bring it into cells. Mm. Insulin is called upon rapidly to deal with this influx of glucose because there's nothing there to balance or slow that release into the bloodstream. And insulin pulls all that glucose out of cells really quickly because it's like an emergency situation. And then insulin kind of drops a little bit more slowly than the glucose does. And what you're left with is almost this hypoglycemic state. And that's when you're feeling, and that might, if you're having breakfast around 8 a.m., this might be happening around 10 a.m., which is why you're, you know, craving more coffee or more sugar because you're in this almost hypoglycemic state and your body's like, I need some quick energy that la- that breakfast didn't last long enough. And that's when you're reaching for your second cup of coffee or maybe a muffin or a pastry or something that's just a quick source of energy. We can avoid those cravings and that hangry feeling, the irritability, the anxiety by adding a source of protein, fat or fiber that's going to slow that release of glucose into the bloodstream and help us feel satiated until lunchtime and not like we need to rely on those external sources of energy. Um, so when it comes to the anxiety piece of the puzzle, it's not just in the morning, but mornings are definitely important. It's like how you start your day. Um, but sugar is going to, again, if we're on that blood sugar roller coaster, we're at that dip, that's where we get that hypoglycemic anxiety, irritability. I need sugar now or coffee or a stimulant of some kind. And then also those, you know, kind of, um, refined, um, carbohydrates or sugars, can have a negative impact on the diversity in our gut microbiome because those bad gut bugs really thrive off of those simple sugars. And um, it allows them to start to grow and start to win that battle of good and bad. And when they start to overpower the good guys, that's when we notice again, more cravings for sweets because those bad gut bugs are like, I wanna continue to thrive. I wanna continue to predominate. So, um, I would like you to feed me more sugar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's why when you notice, like when you're on a bit of a sugar spree, it's harder to get off of the sugar spree, um, because your body is signaling for those cravings. Yeah. But again, I would like to reiterate that, like, I am not perfect. I am not, you know, saying that you can never have sugar. I had s'mores on the weekend when I was camping. Totally get it. Um, When I go for gelato, which is my favorite sweet treat, I might opt for one scoop instead of two because I know it might, it makes me feel a little bit anxious. Um, So I'm just mindful of my sugar and my caffeine intake for that reason. But it's good to know how these things are impacting us. Um, you know, when it comes to our anxiety and our stress levels, for sure. I think it is helpful. I think, especially with the sugar battle, (laughs) especially for women, especially dealing with hormonal imbalances on top of all of this, I think it can be helpful and almost a relief to know that it's like your sugar cravings are not really about like being disciplined or like- no. It's, it's so like hormonal and I want to say chemical, like, yeah, like well, and your yeah. hormones are really connected to your gut health as well. Right. Yeah. Like, um, it's connected to a lot, but hormones are very connected to gut health and stress mm-hmm. and it's very chemical. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, absolutely. And like, sometimes I think those cravings for sweets, I find can be stemming from one you know, an imbalance of good and bad bacteria. Two, you're on a blood sugar roller coaster, so you're not balancing your meals and snacks well. Or three, you're on an extreme low carb diet and your body needs more carbohydrates, right? Um, that's something I see a lot is like you all oh, historically carbs are viewed as bad, but we need carbs for healthy hormones. We need mm-hmm. it for energy. Um, so if you're very low energy and you are craving sugar you might want to make sure you're getting enough of those good quality carbohydrates. Um, anyway, so I went off on another tangent, but I love this conversation. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> no, it's really helpful. And definitely you're like 
balanced approach is coming through. Don't worry. Um, I know another area of passion and expertise for you is kombucha. Um, can you maybe explain how kombucha can be supportive for gut health and overall health and who is it the best fit for? Absolutely. I love kombucha. <laughs> I recently started my own kombucha company here in Northern Ontario. It like literally launched last week. Um, but it's so been- exciting. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's so exciting. And we've been working on this behind the scenes for about a year before we were able to get it out to the public. Um, so kombucha is a fermented tea, um, that you ferment like a sweetened tea with, uh, something called a SCOBY, which stands for a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeasts. And you, um, ferment the tea and it produces this effervescent bubbly tea based beverage that has a hint of fermentiness. Um, but um, it's great for people with digestive health issues, gut health issues, um, aside from, like I said, the candida or the SIBO, where we maybe don't want to introduce any type of bacteria, even good or yeast. Um, but those are the benefits. It's probiotic in nature, meaning that it's, it's introducing beneficial bacteria into the body. Um, it also has lots of other live enzymes and depending on the tea base, like for example, I use a green and oolong base and green tea is very antioxidant rich. Um, one of our flavors is like a blueberry maple. So blueberry, I love for its antioxidant benefits. Um, so depending on the flavors too, you might get different benefits from those. Like one of our other flavors is a lavender mint, which is absolutely lovely. Like lavender is just so calming and relaxing. Um, so yeah, like I think kombucha can be for anyone, especially if you, um, are, you know, you like, say you're the type of person that likes a beer or a pop or something bubbly in the evening to wind down. Like, I think kombucha is a great alternative. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say like, I usually just try to be aware of added sugars because I'm finding kombucha becoming quite popular, which is awesome. Like I'm happy to be on this train, but, um, as a result of that, some of them are oversweetened and almost just like, are kind of like soda. Um, so paying attention to that, um, and pay attention to how you feel when you sip on it, because like I said, we're introducing good bacteria into the mix and I always say if you're new to kombucha start small like half a glass and just see how you tolerate it because we are introducing some beneficial bacteria but it's it's new to you so start small and build from there so you don't get any um, digestive discomfort but I find it well tolerated by most people that's so helpful and what can I mean obviously if people are in northern Ontario area they can get access to yours what's the name of your kombucha uh, Bloom Kombucha Co., which was really like, um, to me, symbolizing that symbiotic nature of our growing scoby with every batch. And yeah, I'm in Sault Ste. Marie. I always say Northern Ontario because I feel like a lot of people don't know where Sault Ste. Marie is. Um, but yeah, we're so excited and we're hoping to, you know, continue to get some more flavors out and this really like small batch microbrewery vibe that we're loving. Amazing. And if people are not in Sault Ste. Marie and they're looking to try kombucha from like the grocery store, like a health food store, what can they look for? Like what's a normal amount of sugar? Like, you yeah, know. Absolutely. I would say like, for example, like I've seen some, I remember this one like mango flavor and there was a watermelon one that I loved. And I looked at the sugar and it was like 15 grams of sugar, uh, 20 okay. grams of sugar. And we are, you know, like I said, four grams is about, um, a teaspoon. So that's a lot in that, okay. in that beverage. So I found that you can get something between four to six grams of sugar. Okay. Um, you do need some sugar in the fermentation process, right? So, you know, your SCOBY that you're fermenting your tea with is consuming the caffeine from the tea and the sugar to produce these acids and enzymes and all these things that we love out of kombucha. Um, but, you know, you, it's using a lot of the sugar up in the process. We don't want a ton of added sugars. 
Um, so yeah, four to six grams. I'm seeing some brands doing like stevia uh, kombucha that's like a one gram of sugar line, um, which isn't bad. I mean, for me, like I have like a very traditional view of kombucha. Like I use just like cane sugar because that's what SCOBY likes and SCOBY eats the sugar and it's like a living organism that we need to keep happy, healthy and alive. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I'm still undecided how I feel about the stevia kombuchas. <laughs> um, but going with like four to six grams, I find like fine. And you can even like have certain small amounts of it too. That feels like too much. Um, one other thing I like to say about kombucha is that since it's, since it is a fermented food, you also need to be aware of like trace amounts of alcohol in there. Mm -hmm. um, most uh, anything on the shelf has been lab tested and has to show that it's below 0.5%. So it's trace amounts, but it isn't it. So if you're avoiding alcohol for any reason, that's another reason why um, you want to be aware of that potentially in kombucha as well. But um, yeah, anyone can make it. That was your question, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Can anyone make it? Yeah. At home. <laughs> um, yeah. That's how I started. I started making my own kombucha like five years ago. It was definitely like a bit of a learning curve and it's taken me a long time. And the reason why I decided to start selling it is I got to a point where I just love making it so much and I was giving it away to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I was making so much and giving it to friends and family um I wish I lived closer I know right and even like when in the last year when I was really working on recipe development and getting my process fine-tuned I was giving so much away and now my friends are like oh <laughs> we don't have it anymore um but no you absolutely can all you need is a green black or oolong tea um some sugar it can be a simple white granulated sugar just I use cane sugar but Simple sucrose is what your SCOBY will thrive off of. Um, tea, sugar, water, and a SCOBY. You can buy SCOBYs online. It's like a pellet full of cellulose. Um, and your SCOBY grows with each batch. So if you're loving it, you can gift some SCOBY to someone else. Um, mm -hmm. I have taught many courses in the past on how to make your own kombucha. And those people have gone on to teach their friends and share their SCOBYs with them. And... Um, I don't know, there's something about fermented food that like, to me, it's just such like a labor of love, like sourdough bread, kombucha, um, sauerkraut, these things take so much time and you put so much love and energy into them and you're keeping something alive. Mm -hmm. Um, so you absolutely can make your own at home and it's not hard. It's more cost-effective. I started making it purely for budgeting reasons because I was spending too much money at, on kombucha at the store. Yeah, and, it's definitely... Yeah pricey at the store um sorry go ahead yeah no I was just gonna say like between you know just needing tea and sugar your initial mm -hmm. investment of like a glass jar and a scoby are the biggest things but I calculated like you can make it for about a dollar a week and make like or maybe two dollars a week and you're making uh a gallon at a time okay so, yeah That's it's really fun um, and I love the like coming back to like sourdough and kombucha and what was the other thing you mentioned uh sauerkraut kimchi sauerkraut something too it's just like that like community of like sharing it feels so fun to be able to share something with like mm -hmm. your like close local community I think that's really fun yeah I like even like sourdough like I've I've not I'm not as I work on my sourdough I'm, I don't think I have the best sourdough in the world but like one of our neighbors, you know, had a rough week the other week and I like brought over some sourdough and I'm like, I think, you know, like how much love goes into something like that. Like my, my kombucha right now is sold out in stores, which is absolutely amazing. amazing. Um, I'm, like, I'm waiting on the SCOBY to do her magic. I don't have more to give you. Like I gotta, you know, it's, it takes time and I'm hoping that that time like really translates into quality and and love like a lot goes into these things um yeah. you're nurturing them and anyways so it's not as simple as me giving a loaf of bread to a, a neighbor that that loaf of bread took me like 20 hours to make yeah <laughs> and so like there's a lot of love behind that or like my kombucha that people are eagerly awaiting in stores you know that took me a week to make mm. um and there's, there's love in every batch for sure. 
That's so beautiful. I did have one more question about if I'm, you know, looking for kombucha in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. I see it in both places in terms of I see it like in the refrigerator section. Mm -hmm. And now there's so many brands that now sell it like on the shelf. Mm -hmm. What is the difference? And like, is one better than the other? It's a great question. And so like, I really want to do a little bit more research on this. My gut says like, I just don't know how live bacteria can be on the shelf and not continuing to ferment. Okay. Um, It is continuing to ferment. You'd get an explosion. Like those bacteria are going to continue to produce carbon dioxide and you know, that can our bottle will burst. I know I have accidentally left my kombucha out too long and that's exactly what happens. Putting it in the fridge really halts um, fermentation so that um, it doesn't do that. Um, So if something's on the shelf in my mind, it's because it's likely been pasteurized um, and bacteria has been killed, which means it's not carrying the same probiotic benefit. Now, there might be some technology that I'm not aware of that like allows the bacteria to sleep or something. I'm not sure. I really would love to reach out to some of those companies and see exactly what they're doing because I've also seen some kombucha on the shelf that says it's raw and unpasteurized, but I just like, my mind's not really wrapping around how that's possible for me personally, until I better understand how it's possible, I choose to opt for something in the fridge Um, because to me, that's like, Healthy fermentation that's keeping the, those bacteria happy, healthy, alive, and they're not over fermenting. Um, and I say the same thing about sauerkraut and kimchi. Like, so if you're not familiar, you know, it's a fermented cabbage and it's a great source of probiotics and microbial diversity, but you'll often see on the ingredient list vinegar and you don't want to see vinegar. Sauerkraut and kimchi should just be salt and cabbage and whatever spices maybe for flavoring. Like I love a dill pickle one that has like dill and garlic in there. Um, but it should just be salt and cabbage. And that vinegar taste comes from the fermentation process of lactic acid bacteria producing lactic acid. Um, but a lot of companies, you know, choose a faster, cheaper, easier way and just add vinegar for a similar taste, but less benefit or no benefit. Um, Mm. and those are also the ones that you'll see shelf stable, not in the fridge, that type of thing. So with, I say the same thing about sauerkraut and kimchi and those fermented foods, like look for something in the fridge, look for something that doesn't have vinegar on the label. You want to make sure those bacteria are going to be beneficial. Um, so yeah, I think those are a few things to look out for. And I don't know, like maybe I just don't understand the science behind the shelf stable Mm. kombucha, but to me, like a living bacteria, a shelf stable would be continuing to ferment and those cans would just kind of like blow. <laughs> yeah. I think you're not like I've, I think that was my thinking as well. Like I wasn't sure why I was always choosing the ones in the fridge, but I was just like, I feel like for my understanding, that feels like the right choice for me. Yeah. It's just like these things are alive, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. There might be new science. People have said to me too, they're like, are you going to do cans one day? Or I'm like, I truly don't understand how, <laughs> how cans work. Cause like right now I'm using like bottles that are like pressure tested that can handle a large amount of carbonation. And I'm just like, I got to better understand the science behind that before I go that route. But, um, yeah, to me, I'm, I, I feel like I'm getting a better bang for my buck by opting for something in the fridge. And, um, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. That has been so helpful. I feel like I'm way more empowered when I'm purchasing kombucha now too. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm ever up in the Sioux, is that what people call the Sioux St. Marie? Yeah, I'm actually surprised you called it the Sioux because like no one does unless they live here. So, you uh, I've heard that before. Um, <laughs> I'll have to try some. Um, yeah, this is my last question that I ask all my guests on the podcast. What is something that you might tell your younger self? Mm, Good question. I love this. I say this to clients all the time, and I think it's because I'm talking to me. Um, It's find power in the something between the all and the nothing. (laughs) Because, you know, I definitely got caught up in the all or nothing mentality. I had to be eating perfectly, doing everything perfectly. Otherwise, like, what's the point? I'm just going to do, you know, you go and you do whatever you want. 
And I think there's a lot of power in that something in the small everyday actions. And um, I think there's more power in that than trying to do everything perfectly, which is kind of how I operate my nutrition practice now is that balanced approach, right? And um, finding that finding that power in the small everyday habits that mm -hmm. add up to big things. And, you know, there is something between the all and the nothing. And there's a lot of power in that big something. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm going to use that too. Love that. <laughs> um amazing Ember how can people find and connect with you yes I would absolutely love that you can find me on Instagram at holistic Brit with two teams nutrition same handle on TikTok um I also have a weekly podcast that Carolyn has been so lovely to appear on talking all about skin health. It's called the balance with Brit podcast. I think we can guess why I called it that. <laughs> um, you can also find me on my website, uh, holisticbritnutrition.com. It's got all of my package offerings, um, courses and group programs listed there, as well as some fun meal plans. I actually have a free seven day stress and anxiety supportive meal plan on my website and as a freebie on Instagram. So I definitely encourage you to check that out. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I'm going to link that too. I feel like that's like so perfect for all of the information you provided today. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thanks. Well, thanks, Britt. It's been so lovely connecting with you. And thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more about clearing acne holistically, then head on over to carolynhale.com. And if you really enjoyed the episode, I'd love for you to share it with a friend or leave a rating and review. As an acne nutritionist, creating space for you to feel seen and understood on this wild skin journey is my passion. If there is one thing I know from supporting clients worldwide is that you are not alone in your skin struggles. Tune in each week and together we will explore not only how to clear acne, but completely transform the way you think and feel about your skin. It's the perfect time for you to clear acne, reclaim self-love, and thrive. Until next time, I am wishing you glowing skin from within.